Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We left this morning, we left off. I was talking about, had made this statement, the only way the Lord or the only way God can work in the world for its salvation is by working through the church. But for that to happen, the church must flow with the Spirit, yielding and cooperating with the moving, the direction, and the empowering of the Spirit. And then I made this statement, church leaders need revelation concerning what God wants to do and the grace to flow with it. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Go with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse number 8 and read down through verse 11. 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Here's the part that I wanted you to see. You also helping together in prayer for us. You also helping in prayer or helping together in prayer for us. The older King James says you laboring together in prayer. Laboring in prayer. That that word uh, involves taking hold of something together in prayer. Laying hold of something together. Paul was saying, you laid hold in prayer. You laid hold of our needs. You laid hold of our situation. You laid hold of of what uh, God wanted to do in in us and through us. You laid hold of that together with us and, and you helped us. Amen. And then he said, that thanks may be given by many people on our behalf for the, for the gift granted to us through many. Notice Paul recognized that there were many people involved in his being delivered from so great a death. In other words, delivered from his persecutions, delivered from, uh, from the things that uh, had come against him. He recognized that that many people would give thanks on his behalf, but it would come through many, many people. And so it's so true that what God wants to do in a time of revival uh, has to be prayed out by the many. It's not by the few, it's by the many. It's not by the pastor or the staff or one or two other people, it's by the many. And when the many pray, then there is great help. There's great help uh, given. 
There is a laying hold together to help uh, what needs to, to transpire. I've said it before, and we can go on over to Ephesians chapter 6 because it bears uh, reading and looking at it again. Ephesians chapter 6. Paul instructed the church uh, to pray for him. He said, praying, in verses, this is verse 18 and 19 and, and verse 20. He said, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Listen, if your prayers are gonna be effective, they need to be in the spirit. Praying all manner of prayer in the spirit. Praying in the spirit on one hand is one kind of praying. But there's another way to look at it is there are all kinds of prayers in the Spirit. Energized by the Spirit, anointed by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. The praying that gets the job done in the church is praying in the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, by the anointing of the Spirit, with, with the... With the, uh, uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit energizing that prayer, directing that prayer, amen? And being watchful to this end with all, pers with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul asked the church at Ephesus, to pray for him that utterance would be given to him. And I pointed out before that if there was anybody who could effect uh, the utterance and bring about the utterance of, of God, what God wanted to say through him, if anybody could do that and effect that through their own prayer life, it would have been the Apostle Paul. But he said, I need the church to pray that utterance will be given to me. And in this, I, I, I thought about a story I just heard the other day. I, I've heard of this lady uh, by the name of Rachel uh, Tifatiller. And, uh, but I didn't know all of the details. And recently I heard this story. Uh, Rachel Tifatiller was a woman. She was not a preacher. She was just a lay person in the church, but she gave herself to prayer and this was along in about the 1960s, the mid to late 1960s. She had just given herself to prayer just as a, as a private person, uh, not called to, to the ministry or not a preacher or anything. And she would take uh, towns and, and, uh, and cities, small cities, that didn't have a spirit-filled church, a good on-fire church. And she would pray until God would send somebody to that city and they would start a church. Now when that happens, usually people think, oh, I just remember when brother so-and-so came to town. Oh, thank God that brother Anderson, you know, came to High Springs, was led to High Springs, you know, and labored and started this church. But, but this shows us that behind the scenes, prayer, it has been a prayer was offered concerning this church before I ever knew about it. Before I had ever given a thought <clears throat> to locating here, I had completely other, you know, different plans. I had different plans entirely. And, but, but there were some people praying about what God wanted to do here. 
And, uh, and, so, and so Sister Rachel Tiffatiller, she would pray and, and take one town at a time and God would raise up a church, would send people and, and a church would be raised up. And as she continued in prayer, she started getting sermons as she was praying. She would pray and she'd get these sermons. Now, she was a very quiet woman. Uh, her natural personality, she was shy. She didn't like to be in front of people. She didn't like, you know, the, the fanfare. She liked to be in the background. She was a very shy uh, person. Now, in prayer, she was, she was powerful. She was mighty in prayer. She'd get under the anointing, and I mean, she'd pray, you know, uh, you know just with, with great authority. But her natural personality was one of, of uh, uh, you know, just being real shy. And she started getting these sermons and she got, she wasn't upset about it, but she became very concerned. She said, oh Lord, you know, I hope you're not calling me to preach. I don't want to preach. And you're giving me these sermons and I, and I don't want to preach. And, but she would get these sermons and she would write them down. And so she, uh, she had these sermons and, and not too long after that, somebody invited her to go to some meetings. A man had come to town that she had never heard of holding some meetings and so somebody invited her to go to this man's meeting. So she goes in and uh, uh, like I said, she had never heard of this preacher before. He had just come to the area and started these meetings. She went in and, and, and uh, the very first night he got up and took his text and he preached one of those sermons word for word. Exactly, that she, exactly like she had gotten it from the spirit. That's, that's, that's utterance that comes by the church is praying. Can you see that? Yeah. And, and uh, this is how important it is for the church to pray for its leaders. <clears throat> praying for your pastor. The more you pray, the more your pastor will see. The more he'll get. Amen. Amen. And it's not altogether the pastor's responsibility. He has his responsibility, but it's not just his responsibility. It's the responsibility of the many. <clears throat> but God will not answer people who don't ask. People who won't pray, God won't answer them. That's a, that's a Bible truism. You have not because you ask not. And so people who, who will pray for their pastor, the Lord will answer their prayers, but he won't answer prayers on behalf of people who don't pray. Well, what about the people who don't pray and who aren't interested and who don't uh, labor together? What about, what about their, what about what happens to them when they're in a church where other people are praying? When you pray for your pastor for utterance, when that utterance comes because you're praying for the pastor, you'll receive it. You'll receive it. You'll recognize it. It'll bear witness with your spirit and you'll, and you'll take it for yourself. The problem is when you don't pray, when the pastor begins to say some things it's very easy for those people to get into strife over what they hear because they're not ready to hear what the Spirit is saying 
uh, as a response to other people's praying. They have, see, prayer not only invites God to do what you're praying for, it changes you. It affects you. And so what happens is, uh, again, if, if you're not involved in what God's doing in a church, when revival breaks out, if, you're not in, if you don't get involved in it, you'll become critical. Because the pastor will say some things, other people will say some things, with some things will happen, and, and, and it won't fit with, it won't seem right to you because you're not, you've not prayed it. You've not prayed for it. You're not a participant in it. Can you understand that? And this is how people get misled in a time of great revival. This is how some people, you know, we, we've seen times where God was moving and then some people just, you know, just didn't get it. They just didn't get it and then they got all crosswise and, and, uh, and offended and, and uh, uh, twisted in their thinking and you think, what in the world is wrong with them? How in the world could they go away and go away offended and not receive what God's doing? It's because they weren't praying. Amen. Amen. It's important. I said it's important. Amen. God will not give utterance unless there's hunger for it. God won't give, give utterance unless there's hunger for it and asking in prayer. Amen. Glory to God. Go over with me to uh, John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. John chapter 5. And let's look at verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Father does, the Son also does in like manner. Jesus, of course, was talking about himself, and he said, uh, and then over in, in uh, verse number 30, he said, I can of myself do nothing. I can of myself do nothing. Jesus was so dependent upon what he saw the Father do. He said, I can't do anything on my own. Then here in this uh, verse, verse 19, he said, I can do nothing of myself, but what I see the Father do. And whatever he does, then I do in like manner. And so in, in order for Jesus to be effective, uh, we have the idea that Jesus did what he did because he was the son of God. In other words, he carried about in his own person uh, the revelation and the wisdom and the grace and all of these things. But he said, no, I didn't do it of myself. I only do, I can only do what I see the father do. How did he see that? He saw it in prayer. He saw it in prayer. Uh, when Jesus was here, of course, he was the Christ. He still is. But he was the only manifestation of Christ. He was the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. But when he ascended into heaven and, and the church was born, 
the church became the body of Christ and Christ has been gathering in to himself members ever since. And we are all Christ. We are all the body of Christ. And it's no longer up to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's up to all of us together. Amen. Amen. And the minister can do nothing of himself unless he sees something from God. Prayer will will help the minister see some things. And unless the minister sees some things, uh, he can't go any further. Amen. Now, a lot of preachers continue to go on year after year after year and haven't seen anything. And there's no life in it. Amen. But for there to be life, for there to be the kind of results that, that we see in the word of God, uh, somebody has to see something. Amen. And of course, we all have the capacity to see things. But the minister has to see things, but he's not, it's not, it's not just, uh, it's not just by virtue of his own praying. It's by virtue of the praying of the many. Helping together, laboring together, working together, uh, 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 the many working together on behalf of those that, uh, that are called. And, and it's not just the pastor, but other church leaders. You know, in the, in the body of Christ at large. In, in this revival, uh, the pastor of a local church has to have the help of the congregation laboring together with him or he won't see the things that he needs to see. He won't know the things that he needs to know. He won't have the utterance that he needs to have unless the church helps. And again, those who help are the ones whose hearts are open and they're the ones that receive the insight. They're the ones that receive the revelation. They're the ones that receive the blessing and the ones who don't pray are the ones who, who sit there and go, well, I don't believe in all this. I don't know why they act like that. You know, that's not all God. I mean, that's just a bunch of silliness. That, that's just the pastor talking. I don't believe in that. And they miss out. Now, don't misunderstand me. We judge everything by the word. Amen. We all do that. But uh, the ones, like I said, who help are the ones who open their hearts And the Spirit of God confirms those things in their hearts. But it's not just in the local church. Like I said, it's on the national level and the the global level. Uh, The leaders in, in every movement, in every revival, let me put it that way, in every revival, uh, leaders come to the forefront. And sometimes they come from the most obscure places. People that before... Uh, that were never heard of almost, except, you know, just in some small place. And uh, for, for leaders to emerge in this revival, the church has to pray. Right. Yes. Amen. Amen. So that people that, that God has anointed and ordained will step up and step into yeah. that that God has for them and uh, know what to do, N- learn how to yield to what God, God's doing. Like I said, in order for the church, uh, 
read that again, how the Lord gave that to me. He gave that to me in, in, in uh, this past week. Uh, in order for, for, the only way God can work in the church for the salvation, for its salvation is by working through the church. But for that to happen, the church must flow with the Spirit, yielding and cooperating with the moving direction and empowering of the Spirit. Church leaders need revelation concerning what God wants to do and the grace to flow with it. Amen. That's why uh, praying is so important. That's why the Lord's had us in prayer for so long. Uh, and like, I, uh, like Dan talked about, you know, that potato. Potato's been baking for a while. Amen. And uh, the, the leaders of, of this revival will emerge. And, but we need to continue to pray because there are people, there are leaders in the body of Christ who want to take upon themselves leadership that's not of the Spirit. There are some very uh, uh, naturally gifted people, some very naturally Gifted ministers have a lot of charisma, have a lot of just a, a presence about them. And in any move of God, there are always people who will try to, to work themselves into a place of leadership. And, and they'll want to take a place, that, and it's not, it's not the Spirit's uh, will for them. That's not what he has. We need to pray, and, but... but what facilitates that and what uh, makes that more of a problem is when the true leaders don't step up. Amen. And when the church fails to recognize what God's doing. Because I want to tell you, there's some people out there that are just really uh, in their natural uh, you know, ability as ministers. I mean, they, they can wow crowds. And uh, they, sometimes these, there are people who want it real bad. They want leadership. I've found that the Lord usually uses people who don't want it. That's what I have found to be the case uh, uh, by, by personal observation, by what I've read over the years. It, where When God begins to move, he chooses people who don't have an interest in being somebody. And, but there are those who want to be somebody. And, and if they... Uh, uh, assume the role of leadership, it, it always uh, causes the, the revival to go off track. I've seen it. I saw it in the 1980s and, uh, and in the mid-1980s. And there was something God was wanting to do in the church and it got completely off track because people who, uh, well, they just, you know, they, they felt like it, it was them. It was their time. And tell you what, it's nobody's time. It's the time of God. It's the time of, of, the, of the Spirit of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, go with me over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Praise God. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven 
as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, <clears throat> and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we know what happened as a result of this little uh, prayer meeting. About 120 people gathered, about 120 people gathered together in prayer and supplication. And as a result of this little prayer meeting, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit was, was poured out on the church and began uh, the most uh, epic and amazing uh, move of God that the world has ever seen. You talk about revival. You talk about a move of God. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, I mean, it, it's, what happened on that day is still reverberating all around the world. It's like waves when you throw a rock in the water and the, and the, and the ripples begin to go out and they, and they go to the shore and they bounce back and then they come back again. I mean, 2,000 years uh, later, the ripples, the effects of what happened on the day of Pentecost is still hitting the shore and come washing back and washing forward and washing back and washing forward. It's still going on. What, a, what an amazing outbreak of revival. But let's look at it. It said when the day of Pentecost had fully come, there, there's a time for things. And uh, the day had come, but when it was come, they were all in one accord in one place. There are times of revival. This, was, this is you know the, the big revival, but there are times of revival in the church and, the, and when the day comes, sometimes it comes and the church isn't in one accord, in one place. People are just all over the place. They're just distracted. And like I said, you've got self-interest, you know, uh, rearing its head among uh, leaders. And you've got uh, just a lot of selfish things going on and people not praying. And well, what happens? It, 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 the revival doesn't happen like it should. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one one accord in one place and suddenly, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. You know, it it seemed to come, in other words, in in the natural realm, in the outward realm, it came suddenly. But in the spirit, it didn't come suddenly. It came because of prayer. This rushing mighty wind isn't something that God just suddenly thought of. This happened because of the prayer that had gone before. Because the church, these, this 120 uh, people, yeah, it was something that the day of Pentecost was planned and the outpouring of the Spirit was planned, but, but it happened because they were in one accord. What if they hadn't been in one accord? Even though the day of Pentecost had fully come, what if that 120 had done like the most of like the, the rest of Jesus' followers? You know, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to over 500 brethren, not counting women, brethren, over 500 at one time after he was raised from the dead. Over 500 men. What about women? How big a crowd was that? 
They saw him after he was raised from the dead in his glorified self, in his glorified body. They weren't there. They weren't there. What if this 120 hadn't been there? What if they'd been like the rest of the 5,000? Well, amen. No, it, something happened suddenly, but it was prepared ahead of time. You know, there are other suddenlies. There are other suddenlies awaiting the church. Yeah, there are other suddenlies. There are other things that God wants to do where he wants to break out and do some things that just seem to come all of a sudden, just suddenly God moves. There are other sounds to be heard. Amen. There are things that need to be said, things that need to be done, things that need to be demonstrated suddenly by the Holy Ghost. But how does it come? It, ha it comes when the church is in one accord. One accord. That means everybody praying. Now I understand that there, there will always be people who, who, won't enter, who won't enter in, but that's not gonna hinder the rest of us. Amen. But what it'll do, it'll hinder those people from being involved. In the people who, who weren't there on the day of Pentecost, you never hear about them. You never hear about them again. You never hear about them. I wonder what they thought. They were probably like a lot of church people today. Well, I don't know. All that, they were just acting crazy. I heard about what happened up that 120. They were speaking in crazy languages and acting drunk and, and even the Gentiles and, and, and the Jews and the religion were mocking. People were mocking them. I don't want to be involved in anything like that. How could God be in anything like that? Open ridicule. They just made a mockery of themselves. I've heard that in our time. I've heard that concerning what God has done in our times when he begins to move in, in places that I've been that, that were glorious, glorious manifestations of the Spirit. And, and I've heard people say, well, that was just ridiculous. Now, I can say this now because he's gone on to heaven and, uh, and so it, it doesn't matter. But my former pastor who was a Rhema grad uh, and was a tremendous help to my wife and I in a tremendous encouragement to us. When we were contemplating, you know, going into the ministry, we began to talk to him about it. Nobody else really believed in us and nobody else really encouraged us. But this man, he was a Rhema grad and uh, we, had, we had moved to his church the year before I went to Rhema and he was a tremendous uh, encouragement to me. And he was all in the word of faith and just to, you know, he had, uh, uh, he, he had, he was a follower of Brother Hagen and the word of faith. He was one of the leaders of the word of faith in Jacksonville. And, uh, but because some things happened over time, won't go into all of that, and it, all of it wasn't his fault, but because some things that had happened in his life, he uh, was, became sort of estranged, estranged to the, you know, separated from uh, the ministry and from Rama, and when the Holy Ghost services started in 1994, Brother Hagen started traveling around having these Holy Ghost services. By this time, uh, Pastor Ron uh, was not following the ministry in Rama at all. He was just doing his own thing, 
And he was stuck, you know, in, in just what he had seen years ago. Just what he had seen about the word. Uh, the word, the word, the word, the word. But as far as demonstrations of the spirit that Brother Hagin uh, uh, was led to, to teach on and demonstrate into to the church and bring the church into the awareness of, he, he, by this time he, he was completely uh, estranged from that and he was just stuck in a very narrow uh, kind of ministry. It was just the word, the word, the word. I'll tell you what, the word without the spirit can become dry it and can become legalistic. It can become uh, uh, not refreshing like it should be. Well, it, it needs the spirit and the word need to, to work together. And then I remember when, when Brother Hagen was in St. Louis, Missouri, and there was a tremendous outpouring of the spirit. What year was that, honey? In uh, St. Louis, in the late 90s, in St. Louis, Missouri, and it, and it was televised. And, you know, I, I, I'm not a big follower of, I'm not a big advocate of everything being televised, you know, uh, because you have people then that, that don't understand, but this, this man should have understood, but these things were televised and there were some, you know, demonstrations of the spirit of laughter and dancing and different things. And, um, sometime after the, shortly after that, I was talking to pastor Ron and he was very critical said, oh, my Lord, that was just ridiculous to watch what went on in those meetings. He was very critical of Brother Hagin. And he said, I, that, that's not the Holy Spirit. He was yielding to a wrong spirit. He said, my Lord, people are laughing and mocking at what God was doing. He said, we have enough problems, you know, uh, you know, just presenting the truth without adding to the mockery by doing foolish things. I thought to myself, yeah, on the day of Pentecost, where would you have stood? Where would you have stood? Would you have stood back and said, now, you know, that's ridiculous. That's causing the message of the, you know, the gospel and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's causing people to turn away from it. I'm not, I'm not going to get involved in it. People who, who will not get in, people who will not cooperate and flow with the spirit in, in a revival uh, eventually will be left behind. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about being left behind at the rapture. I'm not talking about being left behind, you know, not being saved. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying in what God's doing, when people don't flow with it, they become critical of it. And, and eventually, they'll just get left out. Amen. And, uh, and become very critical. But on the day of Pentecost, there were, there were 120 people, just 120 and they were in one accord. They were in one place. They were assembled together in one place. They, were, they had prayed for God to move. They were waiting. Jesus had told them to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what they were praying about. Jesus said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power. Well, they were pray that's what they were tearing for. That's what was on their mind. What the Lord said would come. The revival, they were seeking it. They were waiting on it. They were praying for it. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Oh, glory to God. Like I said, there are more suddenlies. Yeah, there are more suddenlies for the church. There are more things the Holy Spirit wants to suddenly do and, and, and things that he wants to demonstrate and things that he wants to bring us into. And, and there are sounds from heaven that are yet to come. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. But, uh, but where are you going to be? Are you going to be on the sideline? 
Are you going to be one that's just, you know, carelessly whiling away your time coming to church, not really, uh, not really pursuing anything? You have, you, you have great, there's a great danger so such people will become alienated and critical and miss out on what God's doing. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, just uh, people just being blindly following things. I'm talking about if it's, if it's of the word and of the spirit. Uh, if, you're, if you're not yielded to the spirit, you won't know what's of the spirit. If you're not yielded to the spirit and if you're not pressing in like we were singing tonight, if you're not going higher and deeper and further in the spirit, the things of the spirit will not sound right to you. They'll not seem right. And, and you, will, you will find yourself growing critical. <coughs> and, uh, and, you know, I can handle that. I mean, I'm not concerned about that because I, don't, I just don't listen to it. But it hurts the, that person. Amen. Well, how do you know? How do you know if you're in one accord? What does it mean to be in one accord? Well, you, you notice that in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and he had some things to say. And, and it pleased the people and they followed his advice. It, listen, uh, in, a, in a local church, one accord means simply just listening to your pastor. Amen. Listening to your pastor as he, as he follows God and you're praying for him. You're praying for your pastor. If you pray for me, I'll have the utterance that the Holy Spirit wants to have. I'll see the things that he wants me to see. Well, then uh, in, to be in one accord, you're just, you're just flowing with that. You're yielding to that. Amen. So when the pastor says, well, you know, this is what, uh, this is what we're doing. This is, this is where we're going. You'll say, no, nah, I, don't, I don't believe that. I don't like that. That's crazy. I don't want to do that. I don't, like, I don't believe that's right. Well, that's just going to alienate you. Now, now, all of us are Christians. All of us have the Holy Spirit. We don't blindly follow anybody but the Lord. But the Lord does set people, pastors and leaders in the body of Christ, and he does equip them and he does anoint them and he does speak through them. And so it's foolish to say, well, I'm not going to follow a man. I said, it's foolish to say I'm not going to follow a man. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Isn't that right? I mean, that's what a shepherd does is he leads his flock. He leads the flock. He, he receives instruction from the chief shepherd and then he leads the flock and the flock follow him. But, but this is a flock that doesn't follow uh, uh, blindly. They follow because they're praying for him. Amen. They're trusting the spirit of God to lead their pastor. And then whenever the word comes and the direction comes from the pastor, it bears witness in their spirit because they've prayed that. And the Holy Ghost said, yeah, this is it. This is it. This is it. Yeah. Amen. Glory to God. Do you see these things? Hallelujah. There's a great, 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 great revival. Amen. That has begun. And it's not just here. It's, 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 it's like I said this morning, people are aware of this. There's, a, there's a, just an awareness and a hunger and an excitement about it. And uh, it, it pastors all over the place. I know a lot of pastors. 
I know a lot of ministers all over the country. And, and I'm telling you, everyone that, that, that I'm in fellowship with that I know, I mean, everybody's talking about what God's doing and it's time for revival and, and uh, oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's stand up for a minute. Glory to God, 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 glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Pray, pray for the leaders that the right leadership will emerge in this, in this move of God. I'm talking about on a, on a national, an international level. Pray for the right leaders, those whom God have called and equipped, not people who've called themselves and who want to take something upon themselves, but those whom God has called. Pray for that. Amen. And, and pray for your own pastor. You know, what, here's what typically happens. And, and I know this because I've been as, as guilty of this as anybody else in going to other meetings. Here's what typically happens. We... Don't pray, I say we, because I'm talking about like if I'm going in other meetings to, like for instance, I was in Tulsa this week. I, uh, this is very common for people. We don't pray for the meetings like we should. And a lot of times, not at all. And we give no thought to what God's gonna do in that service until we're in the service and after the music has started. I mean, we, we don't pray about it the night before. Let's say it's a Sunday morning service. We don't pray about it the night before or, or during the week. Don't give it any thought. Sunday morning, all, the, the main thing we're interested in is how our hair looks, whether our clothes match, whether the kids are going to, you know, survive the morning, you know, not kill themselves or you know, each other. And you know, we're getting ourselves ready. That's what we're interested in. We come to church. I'm telling you now. Come to church, we're not thinking about the service. We're in the lobby, we're thinking about everything but the service. We're in, you know, fellowshipping with one another, just mingling with one another. And, and, it's in, and when, the, when the first chord sounds on the piano, we're still not even engaged. Praise and worship leader comes out and for the first, you know, several moments, everybody's still, you know, just talking to one another, not thinking about the service. And then all of a sudden we realize, oh, we're in church. Oh God, have your way. Have your way, Lord, have your way in this service. Well, you know, it's next to impossible for God to have his way at that point. I said it's next to impossible for God to really have his way at that point. Can you, can you understand why? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The service has started. Lord, do something. Work in a mighty way. Am I, am I telling the truth now? Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll get in the habit. I think what we need to do is we need to start sending out some electronic messages during the week, like on Saturday. You're just encouraging everybody. Remember to pray. Remember to pray for church tomorrow. Amen? Yeah. So because I think we just get into that rut. You know, we're busy. And so figure out a way to do that, Pastor Greg. Praise <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Huh? Yeah, then people will get used to doing, getting them and then they'll start ignoring them. So we'll just do it every now and then. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. But no, it takes, it takes 
cooperation. The church must learn to cooperate and yield to the move of the Spirit and the direction of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Well, praise God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.